Good morning. I'm Karen Ottobani, and this is TKO. Um, again, I want to just take a big shout out to the staff. Thank you so much for covering for me two weeks ago. I have to say, I had uh, four foot drifts on my ridge. We had to grade it to even get out to get supplies through the first storm, and then I had another two feet dump. So, to say the least, I was not coming out. But uh, boy, I got to tell you, Mendocino County covered in snow is beautiful still got some remnants but we're good made it through um yeah higher elevations but thanks a lot to the staff for picking up this because i couldn't be i just couldn't get out so today on the air with me is bernie norbell bernie are you there shout out yes thank you. yes thank you there we get my levels right so i wanted to bring bernie norbell on he is the uh, mayor of Fort Bragg, the city of Fort Bragg, and the, through the various shows I've done in the last several years, I've always done a shout out to Fort Bragg about different issues that they've done during the drought, how they stepped up the plate to get water to the town of Mendocino, uh, housing. I've been following the developments of senior housing and now low income and family housing that they've been doing with working with Danco out of Arcata area. Um, that I've been so I've just there's been a lot of issues that the county has that Fort Bragg has tackled and has been, I feel, really successful doing it. So I wanted to bring Bernie on to talk about being the mayor, having been on the city council of uh, Fort Bragg since 2016. I wanted to get his perspective of managing a small city and then talk about what happens if you bump that up and you've got to manage a whole county. So Bernie, Norvell, welcome to the air with me. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, so you have been, you've been on the city council since 2016. I, I'd like to just kind of get an introduction to my audience um, about who you are and where you come from and what's kind of going on. We'll go from there. So who are you, Bernie Norvell? Thank you, Bernie Norvell. Um, 53 years old, been in the city of Fort Bragg, 53 years Um I was actually born in Ukiah because I was a breech baby and they didn't do breech in Fort Bragg. Um, but been here all my life, went away to school for a year, um, came back, um, got married, uh, raised two amazing children that, that are now adults out doing their own thing. And um, actually moved into the city limits about 2015. And uh, there was a lot of issues I felt and the public felt going on in the city at the time. And they... Um, asked me to run for council. So I did successfully. And uh, I've been there ever since. Is that a paid position? Just let me know. I, I didn't actually research that part of it. It is. We get um, to about close to $500 a month, whether we earn it or not. Wow. Big stipends. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's healthcare involved in that too. So okay. I don't want to downplay it, but it, the healthcare is amazing. Um, do you get bumped up for the income if you're being mayor, or is it still as five hundred bucks a month? Five hundred a month. Wow, you are dedicated. Thank you for doing that. That's um, yeah. I mean, you do live in the city limits, so you could ride or bike to work, but yeah, that doesn't barely even cost gas. Little telephone calls I meant. So, okay, so uh, the city of Fort Bragg has how many city council people? Five. Five. And then the mayor is elected from within the council, correct? That's co correct. That's the same as uh, Ukiah City. Um, I did look at your budget. Uh, 
but first I was going to ask, what's the population? I didn't track that down. What's the population? Uh, we're, I think we're right around 7,700 right now in the city limits. And then there's, I think, roughly a total of 20,000 on, you know, right in the outskirts, kind of in the 95437. Yeah, because I, I did look at the city limits and they do go south a bit, but there's still a lot of uh residential area around the city limits that actually use the services and go into into Fort Bragg and I would imagine like the surrounding area is about 2000 like you said absolutely so you so the population's about 77700 7, um how many employees do you have at the county or at the city level I think at the moment we're right around 70 or 71 we've just hired a uh, little bit of code enforcement and then we hired our two crew um officers or employees i guess so we run anywhere between 68 and 72. okay is that so i know the county is running at about 23 percent vacancy rate what's the vacancy rate for your if you could hire out everybody you needed what would you Um, have well i think i would like to add another crew member absolutely and then a um, staff person to run the uh, data entry for crew so there's two. We're in search of a community development director. Um, we have another person that just left out of public works that we need to replace. So I, I would say we probably, I know public works has a lot going on. They could probably use two more people in City Hall. Um, so would the, these be funded positions that are readily available or these are positions you have to go through the council to create right now? Um, so the public works one that's just left is funded. Um, the crew, we're still searching for funding to keep our crew program going, which is another crazy story all in itself. But um, So do tell us, what is the crew? What is, what is that? Is that acronyms for something that I'm not getting? Yeah, um, Care Response Unit. Very similar to what the county's doing with Major B and MOPS. Okay, all right. So it's a critical, so critical response. Care, care Response Unit. Care Response. Okay, got it. We okay. specifically left the word crisis out of it and, and changed it to care. I like that. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Okay, good. So you're, you're pretty you're pretty well staffed compared to the county. I'm sorry. We are. Yeah, we you're are. in good shape. We have, considering all the projects that we have going on, um, we've got an amazing public works um, crew, not just City Hall, but, um, you know, out working the streets. Um, we, we, I, I think we've got an amazing staff. They, they do all the heavy lifting yeah generally that's the way it is um so you have a sh- you have a police department in addition to have sheriff's deputies on on site but you have the you manage your own police department you have a water department you have a waste treatment department what are their major departments that you have that you have to oversee uh well so council council does not oversee those departments oh okay Right. So the structure is um, the basically, and I think this is where a lot of people get confused, is um, staff, including the police chief, all work for the city manager. Uh, the city manager works for the, for the city council at the discretion of the, of the city council. And then the city council works for the people. Okay, that's good. So it's a, that's a good, okay. So, so any decisions that are made comes from the city manager about those departments most of the time yeah most, most of, the, of time? the time so you yeah, don't I mean, there, so as issues m- where she may need to come to council for direction or or um, approval so as your position as the mayor 
what extra duties or responsibilities do you have in comparison to overseeing the manager, the city manager, and in relation to the county, the city council? A lot more phone calls and a lot more emails to answer. Um, it's you, you have a lot more say in the agenda. Um, you know, everybody seems to want to talk to the mayor, which is great. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of a lot more public interaction than you do. I then certainly I did as just a straight council member. Um, but we, you know, we're we have to sign off on the budget. Um, you know, if we need to fund a new position, we have to sign off on that. Um, dollar amounts over a certain amount on contracts that the city manager is not just allowed to do, um, we have to sign off on. And you know, basically, we're we're legislative for the most part. Okay, that pretty much pretty much sounds like the same with the board of supervisors at the county level. You have the council, you have the city manager, and then you have all the employees under that. So that's, that's good. correct. All right. So I wanted to talk about your experience. You've been on the city council since 016. So why don't you give me in the, in the audience an idea of what you've seen in those, well, almost seven years now, I would say, six and a half years. Um, I've actually been going to Fort Bragg since I came to the county in 78. So I've seen Fort Bragg go from when the GP Mill was there and just being a funky, and I say truly funky because you grew up there, funky uh, logging town or mill town to growing into this, what I consider a tourist attraction now. Actually, you know, we didn't used to go there a lot to do touristy things and to have dinner on the coast. We would go to Mendocino, Little River. But in the last, oh gosh, 10 years, I'd say, maybe a little less, um, I bypass Mendocino and I go to Fort Bragg. So I've seen this. <laughs> I do. You've got some great restaurants, I gotta say. And plus, I will just do a shout out. Beachcomber is my place to go, uh, Beachcomber uh, Hotel. Um, yeah, so I've seen. I've seen the transformation of Fort Bragg. I really have. I've seen the growth of the great housing you've been doing and all of that. So give me your perspective. You have grown up there and have you haven't seen it change and what you've been able to do as a city council member. Give us a little perspective. Sure. sure. So, I mean, it, it's changed a lot, right? When the GP was up and running, we had, I think, five car dealerships in town. We had a Chevy, a Ford, a Dodge, and, and two used car dealerships. Now we're down to, I think in the city limits, one used car dealership and Sport Dodge, which Sport Dodge does an amazing job. But so, you know, that could, that tells you how things have changed. Um, you could graduate Fort Bragg High School and, and be all but guaranteed a very well-paying union job at the mill. Um, that went away. And I'm there was a lot of people that didn't think that the city would survive. Fortunately, we did. Um, I think we got another big scare when the uh, the hospital was constantly in, in bankruptcy, um, you know, always running a deficit budget and just complete turmoil. So I, I've been very clear that when Adventist agreed to come in and affiliate and take over, it, it kind of saved us. We survived the GP, I think. Um, I'm not sure we would have survived the hospital leaving. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for them. That's some of the changes that we've seen. Um, Fort Bragg's changed a lot. You know, I could, um, uh, growing up as a kid, I couldn't do anything wrong without getting home and the parents knew, right? Um, you just knew everybody. 
and everybody knew everybody. Um, that's changed a lot. There's a lot of you know faces that you see every day that you don't recognize. New people coming here and moving here, um, which is all good. Um, I, I think some of the things that I'm most proud of of change since I've been on council is our um, homeless transient issues. Um, I think in 2016. There was a lot of people that were uncomfortable going downtown because, you know, especially in the central business district because of the loitering and, and just the troubles that we were having down there. Um, I think that's part of the reason I got elected because I, I, I said that I would go after that and try and fix it. Um, I, I feel like we're well on our way to fixing that. I think we've made amazing progress. Um, we've made our mistakes. Um, we own our mistakes, and I think that's part of the reason we've been so successful is we're not afraid to make mistakes. Um, you have to get started on those things, and if you're afraid to make mistakes, you're probably not going to get started. Um, the, the economy has, has absolutely changed. TOT is a large portion of our um, general fund. Uh, we do a lot of things to promote tourism. I think our, our trail, coastal trail, is an amazing asset to the community. Um, that has just been, I, I use it weekly on my runs. I see different people out there all the time in, enjoying it, sightseeing, walking, running, biking, rollerblading, um, you know, doing all of it. So we have a lot of amazing assets here. Um, we'll always have Big Blue, the Pacific Ocean. Um, people love to come here for that, and you, and you can't blame them. We've got great public beaches. We've got Glass Beach. We've got amazing hotels for people to stay in. Um, and I think overall, we've got a, a, a really friendly, welcoming community. Well, let's let's take one. Let's take these issues apart. Oh, and you, you didn't say it, but I will do a shout out to Noyo Harbor, please. Uh, fresh yeah, they're actually fresh not in the city. They're oh, Noyo Harbor. That's, no. that's actually in the county. Um, but we do recognize and um, the value that they bring to our community. And we are actually doing a lot of work with them right now. Um, I think it's county work, but the county's not doing it. So the city of Fort Bragg is, is partnering with the Harbor District to um, to get after a few a fuel much needed fuel dock, uh, a nice plant, all the infrastructure that's needed. Um, wow, so we're, we're more than happy to work with them. I didn't realize. I looked at the actually at the, at the boundaries for the city this morning. It was a little bit hard to see on the map I was looking at, but I did not realize that Noyo Harbor it was not part of the city. It just seems so congruent with the downtown area i guess that's kind of Noyal beach is city um huh. and the parking lot is also city um, but the rest of it's in the county wow okay interesting all right well that's good to know so let's let's go back a bit and you were talking about one of the issues that you wanted to address when you came on the council was the homelessness um, so, so let's let's start there because you you've done some really great projects um, with how with the housing that's going on now, but you've always also done some really good innovative projects with the with the police department in Fort Bragg. Um, I know there was an attempt to use the old Coast Hospital several years ago for a shelter that kind of happened and then flamed out which is a whole another issue that we don't need to go into but because it was you know beat to death when it happened but you 
now today you're doing some really innovative things with the police department and it seems to be really working between the police department and mental health can you talk about that and what happened with that yeah so we you know i when i first got elected on the council well first of all everybody's aware we had the whole um cdbg grant process where the city got the grant for the hospitality center to purchase 101 north franklin the old coast hotel Mm -hmm. and move all their services in there and there was that big fiasco that literally divided the community, right? Right. Um, I felt like we were creating kind of a skid row between the hospitality center and the hospitality house, and it was bleeding into the central business district. When I first got elected, I would get probably no less than uh, 15 or 20 phone calls, emails a month from downtown businesses complaining about how it's affecting their businesses and and what are we going to do about it. So we, I got after it. Um, I, I don't necessarily think I had the support of the then police chief, um, but there were some officers that recognized the issue and, and we worked together. And I think in the beginning, that's where we made our mistakes. Um, and we, we tried to arrest our way out of it. Uh, it doesn't work, right? Um, it's just a big revolving door. They're back in Fort Bragg in a day or two and doesn't solve anything. Um, so we made our mistakes. I think another mistake we made is the city had put all these benches out in the downtown. The idea being people walking around shopping, maybe the husband sits on the bench while the wife goes inside. Um, they were occupying all the benches, right? They're public benches. Um, but they were sitting in front of the stores, smoking, whatever, um, making people nervous to, to, um, you know, go into the business. So the mistake we made was we started pulling out the benches. Um, didn't solve the issue. Now they pull up in lawn chairs and still sit on the curbs and still do the exact same thing, right? So we, we learned a lot of things. And again, we were never afraid to fail. You know, we try and fail forward um, is, is kind of my motto. Um, so we, we had to take a more practical approach. I developed a really good relationship with RCS and Camille Schrader and some people at the county who were in charge of, of mental health and, and homeless service funds. We tried really hard to work with our service provider in town and just really didn't have any luck. Um, they didn't want to do the things that we were trying to get done. Um, so we just kind of had to go do our own thing. And um, fortunately, um, when we brought in uh, interim chief John Nolte, um, who is uh, a great human being, extremely compassionate. He understood the compassion side, which I think maybe that I was lacking. And I got to see him, who I looked up to as an authority, um, display that compassion. So it really changed the way I looked at the problem. Um, it, and, and it made things better, made things easier. And I think that's the reason where we are today is because we just have a different approach. So we wanted to build our own program. We started, it took me two years to get the city manager and the police chief to to bring the emergency weather shelter in-house. Every year you could read about it. It was late starting, um, underfunded by the county because the the group that was running it couldn't hire enough people. It was, it was a mess. I was involved in all the conversations and every year they weren't going to run it and then they were forced to run it and it just was giving everybody a black eye. So they agreed to bring it in-house. We had the police department run it. You had to check in at the police department um, to get, and what we did was, instead of it rotating from churches every two weeks the way the, the hospitality center ran it, which was great and, and, and great by the churches, um, 
we brought it in-house. We did the same contract for the same amount of money with the county, um, but we did hotel vouchers. And the rule was you had to check with the hospitality house first because they already fund X amount of beds. If there was a vacant bed at the hospitality house, you don't get a hotel voucher. You have to stay at the hospitality house. Um, and then that really worked the first year. We got a lot of flack. That demographic isn't going to want to go to the PD for a room, right? But we, we didn't check for warrants. We just, it was a humanitarian thing. We're going to bring you in for the night. And what we found out was they didn't have that problem going to the police department because most of the time the police department already knew who they were, right? So it, I, I was happy to see that it wasn't an obstacle for them. And then we needed to expand because we were still having problems on the street. And uh, so we, the, the county had already really started with Major B, what they call mops, where they had the, the vans with a, um, a social worker and a sheriff's uh, deputy going out to addressing crisis or whatever. We, we made it our own model. We, we, you know, everything we do in regards to homeless, we, we try and follow the Marbert report. Um, and we implemented that in, and, and that's where we set up our rules for the emergency weather shelter. And then we developed what, um, what we now call crew um, care response unit. And we got a grant from, I think it was the department of justice and it was geared towards reducing number of calls on police officers spend on this demographic. We hired two people. Um, one person um, born and raised here, another person had moved here, um, two amazing women. And they're not crisis workers, they're not social workers, um, but they have education and we give them lots of training to deal with this demographic. And, and what it's done is it's changed the way that we deal with these folks. Um, we're not arresting them anymore. Um, we're, we're, we're meeting with them if a police officer sees somebody new in town or comes across the panhandler they stop and they talk to them hey uh, who are you what are you up to you know how long have you been here do you know this is what we have to offer and if they didn't and they're not already involved we dispatch crew there crew also has their own vehicle they drive around town looking for faces familiar and not familiar and they just get out and talk to people introduce themselves um, explain what we have to offer, explain the rules, um, explain the EWS. Um, so it's really worked. We've well, got, wait, wait, what's, what's EWS? I'm getting some of these acronyms, but you got to yeah, I'm chill, sorry. chill, chill on the emergency weather shelter. Okay, there we go. Or extreme weather shelter. <laughs> Thank so you. here's just a few numbers of the, um, how crew is working. And these are July to December 31st, 2021, which is uh, pre-crew, opposed to July 1 when crew started to December 31st, 2022. So it's comparing the same months, one year with crew, one uh, before. Um, in, in prior to crew, arrests of homeless in that time frame was 157. 2022 with crew, it's 74. So we've had a 47% reduction in arresting homeless people. Wow. That's saved. That, so that, in actuality, that's saving not only the city money, but also the county, because if you arrested these people, they don't they have to go over the hill? Because you don't have a holding, you don't have a holding cell in Fort Bragg anymore. I think there used to be years ago, but not We anymore. do, but it, it's just not used. And it's yeah. very temporary. So yeah, it's 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 a three or four hour staff time to drive somebody over to Ukiah and back. And so, but, 
um, so what's the, so what's the financial impact? I mean, is this costing the city a lot of money to do this program, or were you able to go out and find grants and funding to do this? So we got a grant for I think the first one was about two seventy nine or two hundred eighty nine thousand. Um, we were able to outfit the crew, hire two people. Um, it wasn't a great wage, but it was it was decent. It didn't come with benefits. So we, I, I, we found this grant opportunity. We were trying to build this program, and we had the outline for it. We found this grant. We had two days to get it in. We got it in, but we shorted ourselves. Um, we, we were able to buy a, a hybrid minivan. Um, we were able to uh, deck crew out with the tools that they needed and training. Um, the grant came with required training. Um, so it's 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 a grant so it is taxpayer money but it didn't come out of the uh the city budget well that's what i want to look at is to whether because you've only got so just to i'm just going to stop a minute because i'm going to reintroduce you i'm karen audubonny this is tko and on the air with me today is bernie norvell he is the mayor of the town the city of fort bragg and we're talking about fort bragg city issues and we're going to morph into how that relates to county issues, but we're getting there. Um, so the reason I was going to ask about the money, because everybody that listens on a regular basis knows I'm a money person. I track the money. The budget for Fort Bragg is $38.2 million compared to the counties of $380 million. So it's about a tenth. I thought that, yeah. was, kind of, I thought that was kind of appropriate. That stuck out at me. Um, but I have educated my audience that that's a great number, but the money that the council, the city council gets to work with and has discretionary, the discretionary money is what you get to actually put where you want it to go for your priorities. That's only $11 million. Right. Okay? That's 11.2. Yeah, 11.2. I rounded yeah. down. Um, so this is the important part because that's where this money is going to come from to do these projects, right, Bernie? It can be. It can be. So so you're so this program that you've done to have the this police department work with the care group, is it affecting the budget a lot? Is it sinking the budget? Is it a big hole in the well, budget? <laughs> I guess indirectly. So going back these prior years before crew, our police department was estimating that seventy percent, excuse me, seventy five percent of their time was being spent on this demographic. Yeah, right, which takes them away from their duties. The, the, these kids come out of the academy not wanting to be social workers, right? They want to chase bad guys. <laughs> um, so, um, and I'm going to show you where it's made the difference. And like I said, the arrest of homelessness, homeless people has gone down 47%. Now, our total arrests have gone up 39%. So we went from 299 total arrests to 417. Now, what that means is our police officers are actually going out there and fighting crime. They're not spending 75% of their time dealing with mental health patients, homelessness, transients. So they're actually able to go out and do their police work, right? Got it. Um, the percent of total arrests attributed to homeless individuals in 2021 was 53%. 2022 in that same nine months is 18%. So we've had a 66% reduction, which is amazing. Some of the crime that we're, that has gone up um, or that we're being more effective with is in 2021, we had 26 DUI arrests. 
in uh, 2022, in that same time period, it went to 72, 277% increase. Warrant arrests went from 110 to 125, so 14%. We've had being able to do that and have police officers on the street doing police work, um, we've reduced our collisions, traffic collisions, by 25%. Wow. So it's, wow. I think that's, yes, right? So wow. that's the effect that it's having on our community. Um, and our police officers are no longer having to spend public safety money on this demographic. Right. So we're, we're, we're actively searching. Uh, we were going to run out of, of grant money. We have been unable to secure funding for crew going forward. The grant that we got is no longer being offered. Um, but city, I petitioned city council along with the chief to ask council to budget and fund to buy us till the end of the fiscal year, um, which they did. So we're sound and it came with um, nice pay raises for crew and they are now uh, full time and with benefits. So it's well, congratulations on that. Those numbers are very impressive, I will say. They're very impressive. So the other big issue that um, I've seen you work on and just be really successful was the whole water and the drought issue. Um, you Fort Bragg stepped up. You've got the reservoirs that you've been develop. You've been putting money into your storage for well at least five years that I know of. I think maybe more than that. But you've developed a lot of storage reservoirs. So you have that. You have your treatment plant, and basically with the help of City of Ukiah, you guys bailed out the town of Mendocino and several of the communities around that in the drought. Um, was that last year or the year before last? Anyway, I think it was <laughs> la- that's a good question. Yeah, it go, you know these years, years ago. Yeah, these years are going so fast. Yeah, it was the year before last because last year we did okay. But that was just an incredible project that I'm sure you had a total hands-on around that. Uh, shout out! I've been you know constantly shouting out to Fort Bragg for having stepped up and done that. But the the other part of it for me is having the foresight to start doing infrastructure to service the needs for the future. And that's what Fort Bragg has done, and I've seen you guys do that, and it's been very impressive. Um, One of the other things that came up at that time is you actually got a little mini, teeny desalination plant. And uh, I think it's the first one in Mendocino, right? has to be. There's no other on the coast. Working on our second one. Oh, you are? Really? Okay. All right. So, um, any comments about that? I mean, you guys have done a great job of just looking ahead. I mean, that's the part I've been impressed with. Planning for the so future. It, it, it comes, I think, they're, they seem to be really basic things, right? I mean, you, you have obligations. You have to provide public safety. People want uh, drink, drink, you know, potable water. They want to be able to flush their toilets. Um so it, in my opinion, it comes from direction from council in their goals and their priorities. What do you want to see happen? And um, for me, when we got here, I felt like we were chasing a lot of grants, any grant that was available, and we were basically shaping our city based on what grants were available. Felt like it was a bad direction. It turned a lot of, of, the, of the populace off to grants, right, and, and putting the... Um, Making grants look bad when grants aren't the problem. I think it's more what grants you're going after. You have to base your grants on your focus. I I came in wanting to change our direction on grants from 
taking care of a few certain demographics, nonprofits and whatever, to covering more of the populace, right? A, a, a broader impact on the entire community. And in 2018, in our goals and priorities, I was able, with council support, to get that as a direction that we want to go. We want to focus our grants on on infrastructure, uh, water, sewer, those kind of things. And so staff is going to do their job is to go after what council wants. We give the direction. And, and they've done an amazing job with that. Our public works and John Smith has been amazing, done a lot of work getting after the water. Um, we got the desal plant um, when the uh, we, we were at the peak of our drought. The state was going to hand out a bunch of money to help with your water systems. And, and fortunately for us, John knew the direction of and, and the priorities of the council was water resiliency. He was the first one to ask for money. And that's where we got the funding from the state for the desal plant. And the desal plant does about 280,000 gallons a day at full capacity, which is about a third of our water need, um, which is amazing. Um, we don't use it all the time, but there's plenty of times when the high tides are too high and we draw out of the Noyo and we get too much um, salt water intrusion and we can't. Now we can. We can, and, and the beauty about that is, is I can tell you X amount of days out when high tides are, right? So we can plan to draw water out of the Noyo at high tide and run it through our desal plant. Um, the other one is we were approached by this very innovative company um, wanting to do out here a um, a, a, diesel, a small desal plant that's floating, um, and the waves um, produce the elect the 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 power to run it. And you're not pumping salt water onto the shore; you're actually pumping fresh water onto the shore. The desal actually happens out. In the ocean, because if, if you know if you follow desal at all, yeah, it's, really the, it's the waste or power, yeah, and waste, them, and then the, then the byproduct, the yeah, salt, the waste. salt. So this wave generated, this wave powered desalination plant, is that the one that we have? You have now, or is that the one you're looking to get? That's the one we're looking to get. Ah, okay. I believe we were just successful on a grant to do that. Okay. Um, but the the one that we've got is actually up at the water treatment plant. That was the other. Part of the beauty for that is we didn't have to go through environmental because pumping out of the Noyo, we didn't put the desal plant down on the river. We put it at our um, water treatment plant. So nothing on the river end changed. We're still pumping water the same way we were out of the same spot. We're now just have the ability to pump seawater, store seawater, run it through our desal plant into our treatment plant. Great. Well, it sure it, it, it's going to help. It's going to help because you Fort Bragg is expanding, period. I mean, you can see the new developments coming in. Um, and the one thing I know you've been, the one thing I want to just give you a chance to, to mention and talk about, because I know you've been on top of it. I just saw an article or a statement you wrote about grants and the effectiveness of grants and how do you monitor your grants to make sure the outcomes you're you're getting the outcomes you said you just did a presentation on that or something on that i well i did i just i just wrote a piece um because we've been uh we used to have that problem like i said a few minutes ago we had that problem in the community i felt was looking down on grants when i didn't feel it was the grants the problem grants are a great opportunity Right, it's your state and federal government saying we realize this is our obligation too. We don't have the bandwidth. Here's the money. You go get it done, um, and and that's a good thing. But 
it can be a bad thing when you're picking the wrong grants and you're and you're not necessarily helping all of your community. I think the county gets a little bit of a, a, a rap with that as well. Um, as know, they so maybe, should, as they should. So maybe, maybe, maybe that's maybe their grant seeking isn't based on their goals and priorities. I don't know, um, but. Um, well, I think you, I think accountability. I think I think that there needs to be a track record. I mean, Ted Williams has been asking for this. How do we know we're getting our money's worth for the grant? Or how do we know, not we, but the community, it's being effective? I think that's a lot. I'm totally for going for grants and getting as much money from the feds and the state as our little county can to do what we need to do. But a lot of the time, I'm, I can't look at you or somebody in the community and say, yeah, this is what we got for all the work and all the money for the grant. We got this outcome in the community. And I think that's what your article was about, just saying there has to be some numbers or some recognition at the end that the grant worked and was effective, correct? Right. Because or, or if you don't, how do you, how do you know that, that it's working? And if it's not working, you know, how, do you, how do you change course? If you don't know what kind of results you're getting, exactly. That's part of our, that's part of our um, not being afraid to fail. Uh, maybe we go get the wrong grant. Maybe it, it turns out wrong. But if we don't go back and look to see how those things went, you know, we're, we're likely to repeat that and make the same mistake. So there you uh, go. Know your history. Know your history. Your, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've got that. The other the other thing I've talked about on the air when I talk about housing. Um, the whole county has a housing issue, for sure. Uh, Fort Bragg has a housing issue, uh, has had a housing issue. Um, the costs be years ago. I wish I'd bought a house in Fort Bragg to retire in years ago when it was cheap. Now, you, the prices in, you, in Fort Bragg, excuse me, Fort Bragg, not Ukiah, the, the prices in Fort Bragg have gone just phenomenal. Um, and so you've got a housing issue there. But one of the incredible things is that you've been working with Danco, which is a housing company out of, I think they're out of Arcata. I've talked to the uh, vice president up there, the president, a couple of many years ago. And they came in, their first project was the Cypress Street, which was senior housing. They did 23 units there. I followed that extensively because I, as most of my listeners know, I work doing independent senior housing in Anderson Valley in Boonville. Um, so I've been following them. Now that's been up and running and, and the waiting list before they got it built was phenomenal, like three times what they could actually do. Now you've got the whole plateau. Uh, it's a, I want to call it a subdivision, but it's more of a community issue. They've got... Uh, 26 supported housing units? I don't know what that means. I saw that. Permanent supported housing. It's, it's that, people whose disabilities, whether it be um, physical, mental, uh, addiction, okay. qualify them for the housing. And, and the permanent supportive part is wraparound services. All right. Is that subsidized or is that paid for? Or do they have to pay? They, I think it's the same as the rest. They pay thirty percent of their income, okay. and that's in the count. That's in the city district. I know that's that's, that's, that's definitely in the city. Thank you, because <laughs> yep. it's above Noyo there. By and the location is great. It's by the sheriff's department or the police department. It's by the hospital. They're all yep. within like walking distance, which is credible. So you've got sixty-eight supported housing units. You've got twenty-three senior housing units. You've got twenty-five workforce duplexes. Family housing. Which is family housing. And then they've got 20 homeless units. That's a lot going on. Yeah. How, 
I, I just want to step back. How a small town, because you're only set, well, less than 8,000 people in town, small budget, 20, 38 million. How did you guys pull that off? So I think <laughs> having a good working relationship with Danco, our, our then at the time community development director, Marie Jones, who was had a, a really great working relationship with Anko, and they approached. They said, hey, we want to do another project. Um, you know, what would you guys like to see and where? Um, so they were given some options on land where we think it would fit and, and given an idea of what we were after. We weren't looking to build 63 units of permanent supportive housing and, and go or homeless housing and drop them into a neighborhood and let it be just that. We wanted to make it where it was just Part of the community it was just another couple square blocks of, of housing and that's where we had the mix of the family housing the uh senior housing the low income and the permanent supportive housing we wanted it to be just like the rest of the town we didn't want to single anybody out um it's convenient it's it's next to the um the hospital yeah um and it's not that far to walk to get into the downtown to get to the grocery shopping the post office so it's we we contributed two hundred and fifty three there's two hundred fifty thousand out of our budget and then we applied for and were successful in getting a heap grant for three million dollars which we also applied to the to the uh, to the project but we have had a hands on role in that to make sure it's successful from day one. So wait a minute, out of pocket for the city of Fort Bragg was less than two hundred fifty thousand. Right, about two hundred fifty thousand. Wow. Okay, I'm in awe. I bow down to you for doing the housing because it's been amazing. I mean, I've seen a lot of good housing in Ukiah go up, which I should probably do a show on, but I'm more familiar with the coast. That's phenomenal. I got to say, that's that's really phenomenal. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it wasn't without mistakes. We made our mistakes there, too. We've, we've, but again, we own our mistakes. Uh, we were very upfront about them. We fixed them, and we've learned from them. Well, that's it. You got to go. Yeah, if you don't try, you're not going to get anywhere. If you don't do that one or two steps forward to get one back or half back, you're not going to go forward, period. And it turned into a really good, nice community effort to fix the mistake. So whose land is that built on? Is that, was that, did you guys have to buy the land? Was it donated? City? Danco bought it. Oh, Danco bought it. Okay, all right. And Danco's in a position to be able to do this. Just let me tell you, listeners, because they've got they've been doing this for so many years now. They get tax credits. They go get their own independent federal and state money. I believe they've re- they've really got it down. Plus, they do their housing very efficiently because they're doing so much housing in California, mainly Northern California, I believe, that they've got their own production facilities to do their internal cabinets and all of that stuff. See how much. I know about these guys, Nor- Bernie. So again, my guest is Bernie Norvell. We're talking about uh, the city of Fort Bragg and how you do it on a small scale and make it work. Um, speaking of housing, another issue that comes up. Um, I'm going to actually open up the phones in, in a minute or two after we do this, if you don't mind. If that's okay. Absolutely. You only take some calls. Okay, folks. Yeah. Yeah, it's got 707-895-2448 if you want to get in a question for Bernie. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to ask about talking about housing and all of that. A big issue on the coast, a big issue for Mendocino County is short-term rentals. And I'm seeing uh, where is the city of Fort Bragg on short-term rentals and allowing, because you are a tourist destination now, you're really getting hit with it, I'm sure. Uh, right. Where's the council and where are you on short-term housing? So we've got or rentals, I mean. 
Yeah. We've got code enforcement, which we've moved into the police department. Okay. Uh, we've hired, I think, two people to, to work on it. So we, we, we go actively go after non-permitted. We do actually allow um, vacation rentals in this fee for Bragg. Um, we, we, there was somebody had bought a building on, on Main Street and uh, it was commercial downstairs and they had vacant rooms upstairs and they wanted to convert them to vacation rentals. So they actually approached us. At that time, we did not allow any. Um, so we tried to figure out a plan on how, how could we allow some. Wait a minute, you didn't you didn't allow you didn't allow vacation rentals in the downtown area or split use. Well, how does that not allow anywhere in the city? Oh, okay. Anywhere in the city. So this gentleman came in and, and he said, "Hey, this is what I want to do. I, I can't. I think I'll do better renting these upstairs for a short term. Um, it'll bring foot traffic into the downtown, uh, which we want. You know, evening time." Um, so we looked at it and we came up with a policy. I think we allow 10 vacation rentals and it has to be in the central business district. It has to be on the second story of a commercial building where there's retail downstairs. And it just, um, cause a lot of those units are not ADA accessible. Um, so it was tough to do things with them. So, and we've only, we got a little bit of pushback is don't allow these, don't allow, allow the I think we've only got three, maybe, maybe a number might be four, actually have came in and applied for a permit and are actually doing it. So we set the number at 10, thinking it's a good starting number. If it's successful, we need to expand. We can or can't. Um, or if it becomes a problem, they're, they're conditional use permits, so we can, we can pull the permit. Hasn't been a problem. I'm not aware myself of one complaint um, in the downtown because of the vacation rentals, and we haven't maxed out the number of permits. So what about Airbnbs and taking houses that could be rented out as rentals? Uh, are those not permitted in the city limits? They're not. We don't, we don't allow any vacation rentals um, specifically and certainly not in residential neighborhoods. So if, you, so if I go on Airbnb and I find a rental in Fort Bragg, that's totally illegal? Unless it's permitted in the central, which, and it's permitted and it's in the central business district. And that's actually how our... Um, our uh, team goes after them. They just go onto the online websites and look. How long has it been like that in the city of Fort Bragg? I guess I missed that. That we allow them? That you don't allow short-term rentals or Airbnb well, so rentals. Is that something? I, I, just, I just looked into it, and um, they, you, they tell me that we've never allowed them. But I, my wife and I used to live on Costa del Noyo Drive, and <laughs> our neighbor on each side had a permit for a vacation rental. We actually applied for one and were, and were denied. Um, so I know we allowed them with a use permit at some point. I'm just not sure what that was. Um, I can't find anywhere in our, in our writing where they were allowed. I think we were silent on it, and it was a case-by-case -case basis. Um, but those permits have, have expired, so we don't... It's just in the central business district. Wow. And you have your own... And then that brings up the whole issue. You have your own planning and building department, too, then. For, we do. For, for, um, for all of our in the um, city. Yeah, all our inspection services, whatever, is, is is subcontracted out through the county office. Oh, it is. So you don't have your own internal office, like because right. Ukiah has their own. Ukiah has their own. We don't have an inspector. Um, that's all subcontracted through the county. Oh, great. Okay. Because um, I know the county does have an office up there. That's where I have to call for my stuff in, yeah. in Anderson Valley. Absolutely. All right, folks. If you have a question or uh, for 
Bernie Norvell from uh, Fort Bragg City uh, Mayor. Give me a call. Give us a call at 707-895-2448. So we've been talking a lot of these issues. Um, One of the things we haven't talked is comparing them to the county. And um, I have been wanting to get you on the air because I keep touting about how great Fort Bragg is. Um, But the other thing that you just announced last week is that you, I don't know if you filed all the paperwork, but you're stepping up and you're going to run for Dan Jurdy's 4th District Supervisor's position next year. Yes, thank you. So the paperwork, we're not, I don't think I'm allowed to file until, I don't think it even comes out until September. Ah, so you just threw your name in the hat to get it out there. Okay. Wanted everybody to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now everybody knows, Bernie. <laughs> yeah. We got a pretty good listenership here, and I'm the one that gets the supervisors on a lot. Uh, somebody had tried to call, and if you want to call back, I'll pick that up. Uh, 707-895-2448. Eight. So yes, Dan Journey announced, I actually had Dan Journey on last month, month before last, um, before the snows hit. Uh, we talked about all the stuff he was been doing as a supervisor. Um, and he's not running and he put it out early so everybody could can, you know, think about it and think about it. So is this something you've been thinking about or you've just decided it's Dan's not going to be there and we need, need, need some new energy? No, I've absolutely been thinking about it probably for two years, at least a year and a half. Um, you know, I've got my family support to do it, which is a big deal. Um, and I had planned to talk about Dan would have been the first person I let know publicly that I was going to run against him. Um, and he actually called me, uh, to let me know that he wasn't going to be running. And, uh, it was, it was a very nice, um, courtesy call to let me know that. Well, yeah. And Dan, and Dan had actually started out at the city council in Fort Bragg. <clears throat> Didn't he do... Was it three terms? Two terms? I can't remember. I think getting, it was maybe two and a half, and he left to go to the county. He went to go to the exactly county, yeah. Sure, but, um, yeah, Dan and I grew up together. We were in Cub Scouts together. He and his brother, his identical twin, Tom. Yeah. We all grew up together. Well, and the other thing I've always touted about Dan is uh, I've been in the county since 78, and I have to say that um, he's, it's the only time we've had a supervisor that's run unopposed. Right. Oh, yeah. I guess the phone is being bad. Bad phones. Bad phones. Um, so, yeah, he ran unopposed. Now, it's, the election isn't until 2024, correct? So you probably may, right. not, you may not have that uh, situation. But I was always impressed with that. He just kind of stepped into that job. But, yeah, um, so he did have somebody run against him in the last term, but he won. He did, but he'd been established and gotten himself in. So the phone didn't work, so somebody called, and this was a topic I didn't even want to get into, but since a caller called and asked, I will do it. Um, can you just give me a quick minute or so? How, how do you feel about this whole, let's change the name of Fort Bragg? Uh, okay, so we... <laughs> See, that's, we a, actually, that's about how I feel about it. <clears throat> anyway. We vetted we this out. I think very well at the city level. Um, we put together a, a committee um, of two council members, myself and the vice mayor, Marcel Hay, who she was head of, head of it. Um, and we had several community members. Um, we tried to bring in an even amount that um, were on both sides of the argument, but we asked everybody to come in with an open mind. Um, okay. We came up with a lot of, um, I, they came up with a lot of ideas. Um, 
that they agreed upon 100 percent and we and they brought those to the council and asked us to um, implement them which we've done in the sense that i appointed um the vice mayor jason godick and marcia raffinen who's actually a, a member of the local pomo tribe to that committee to work culturally with the schools get the education going but they the, what the committee did not recommend was changing the name okay um, i understand both sides of it uh, my oh. thought is um there is a process in place for things like this yeah and it's like anything else you can go out and get your signatures get enough to get it on the ballot and let the people vote all right that's good that's kind of where we're at i mean we have some i know it's an issue i know people on both sides of it but i deal with money and the running of the county um so look at folks it was not our phone that was messed up it was the caller's phone that i got that question from and now our phones have lit up i'm we're going to see where this goes, Bernie. Okay, 707-895-2448. We're going to try to get our first caller on the air this morning for a question. Here we go. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with Bernie Norvell. Are you there? Nope, that one didn't work. Good morning, caller. You're on the air? Good morning. Um, I would like to hear your guest speak a little bit more about um, his hope to transition to um, the County Board of Supervisors. It sounds like Fort Bragg is doing well. It's kind of a clear lake, and the supervisors and the county are a swamp. Um, So given, you know, just even the staffing and financial problems on the county level, how does he plan to translate um, his successes in Fort Bragg to the county? And I'll take my answer on the air. Thank you. Very good question. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're headed. How do you think? I mean, yeah, talk about the swamp. No, I, 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 I take that back because I know everybody over there is trying hard. It's just a bigger, onerous system. Hopefully, I don't know. How do you see that, Bernie? Well, so for me, I, I've learned a lot. Um, I, w- I would hate to look back on my first candidate forum when I first ran. I was confident I knew everything, and I'm sure now I know absolutely nothing, right? So I've learned a lot. One of the things that I've learned to do is work with anybody. I, can't, I, I don't care what you believe in, who you voted for. If we've got a problem, I'm solution-based. Let's figure out what the problem is. Don't be afraid to admit your mistakes. Don't be afraid to come out and say what we've been doing isn't working, and we need to change course. Um, I've got a very um solution-based approach to everything i think you have to get back to basics there are certain things that the city is absolutely required to do and provide for its taxpayers and the county has a very similar list of things a very a, a, a bigger list but again a very similar list and i think what happens and, and i think the city of fort bragg was doing the same thing you start to take on too many things and provide too many services that you're not obligated to provide. And what happens is you end up doing a lot of different things and not doing any one particular thing very well. And I think what I would like to see the city do, or excuse me, the county do, is set your goals and your priorities and focus on that. Put your staff direction on that put your money towards that the things that you have to provide and and really put your onus there and start doing the things that you're required to do and do them well 
and then start to expand a little bit. But it's they have to get their money in order because you can't do anything without money. And and, and they're upside down, it seems like, right now. Maybe I don't think it's as bad as, as what they're letting on, um, but there there's definitely some profit-loss issues there, you know, revenues versus expenses. So I would imagine that you have been following the county issues closely, and as the mayor, do you interact with the county quite a bit and the supervisors? I do. I've got a, a good relationship with Dan. Oops. I have a good relationship with Mo. I think okay. I have a, an amazing working relationship with Supervisor Williams. A lot of the stuff that we're trying to get done here with our homeless that the county is obligated to fund. Yeah. He and Dan both have been a great advocate to get us those kind of funds. All right. And I'm coming up against the hour. I'm sorry. That was a fast hour. So Bernie Norvell, city of Fort Bragg mayor, thanks for coming on. Thanks for introducing yourself. And I will have you back, I assure you. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.